Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, gardeners. Welcome to or welcome back to Gardening Naturally. Nice day today. Uh, Not a nice day uh, tomorrow (laughs) or Tuesday. Now, we have some rain coming. Great. Great. We need the rain. We don't have enough rain. But we're going to be looking at 40-plus mile-an-hour winds. That's just amazing. If you're doing covers, if you're doing things like frost cloth, you need to make sure that stuff is anchored because it will act like a sail, and it'll blow your garden covers to the neighbors. Uh, Hopefully... Your neighbors appreciate that you give them free garden cover, but otherwise you'll lose them on your plants. So you have to be really careful. Take today, since it's a great day, it's going to be a great day to go outside. It's going to be a little breezy. The temperatures are not going to be, you know, real cold, pretty much normal temperatures. Go out there and make sure that all of your covers are going to stay in place if we get a 40-mile-an-hour breeze because that will just be, that will just be terrible to have your garden torn up that way. And also make sure that if you've got any trellises, I know a lot of people, you know, maybe you've got tomato cages. Do you have those anchored? Is whatever growing on them going to act like a sail when the wind blows really hard and blow over the whole cage or the trellis? So be ready for those kind of things. It's going to not be pleasant. Let's go to the phone. This is John. John, what can I help you with? Yeah, how you doing, Jim? Got a question. Last year, I lost a... Uh, three-year-old Schumard Red Oak. And I need to replace it this year because it is uh, kind of a sentimental grave marker for my mother. So I need yes. to find out two questions. One, when's a good time to go shopping for one, and when is a good time to replant? Okay. If you... Uh, normally, we would tell you you should plant trees in the fall because they go into the ground, the weather's cooler, we generally have rain, they don't get stressed out so bad, and gives them a chance to establish themselves. You could technically plant one now, but you wanna take care of it, because if we're not getting rain, you're gonna, oh, we lost you, John, I hope you're listening. You could plant one now, if, we don't get rain, you're going to have to take care of it. The longer you can keep it in the ground before it gets unbearably hot, the better it is. The more the tree will uh, establish itself and stay healthy. Can So you can plant one now. I'm kind of curious 
if you had a three-year one, if it froze? Or was it that it took a beating in the heat? If it was the heat, you you need to look and see if maybe you did get it enough water. I'm betting that after last summer, we had a lot of people lose trees. So if it's in a spot where you can keep it watered, be prepared to do that, especially when the temperature is 105 degrees. And I'm sorry, we would all truly like to think that, oh, no, that last summer was a fluke. Uh, it'll never get that hot again. Yeah, it will. The question is, are we going to go, oh, we're, we're going to cool off and only reach 103 instead of 105. But we're going to get hotter. <laughs> You can wish all you want, or you can accept and prepare for those circumstances. So you're going to need, if you plant it now, you're going to need to water. Make sure it has water, um, and that will really help. Don't drown it. Just the right amount. John, you're back. What what else you got for me? Yeah, I wanted to answer your question. I was listening. Um, it, it it never bloomed during the spring and summer, so it had to have been either a frost kill or a bug kill. Well, then it was probably a frost kill. Um, it it should have leafed out. It, if it was at all at, at all good, it should have leaped out, and it's possible it did get frosted to prevent it from uh, coming back that year. Not a lot you can do about that. The only advantage you can, the older the tree, the colder it can handle the weather. So, you would think about uh, eight feet is in the wall of my dad that the Schumard Red Oak. We planted May, uh, we planted in uh, June of 2016, and he's doing fine. It's the one that's for my mom that, that did not. Um, and that can happen. It's so hard to try to justify that, you know, that tree wasn't the healthiest. You didn't do anything wrong. It just wasn't able to handle that weather, and the other tree was. was the other tree was in the ground a little longer, was more established. So it, it was bad luck is part of what the problem is. Now, if you can put a new one in, and you can, like I said, you just need to give it care for that first one or two years so it can really get established, so it can handle these kind of Arctic cold blasts or um, 
the unbelievably hot summers. You just got to babysit it a little bit, and then it should be able to handle everything. Okay, Jeff, I appreciate your time. Yes, sir. Thank you for the call. Uh, and, and I hope that uh, whatever you pick behaves well for you. You know, folks, it, it, it makes no sense. It really is frustrating. You can go to a nursery and buy 10 of the same plant. Same size, same size container. Uh, they all look exactly the same. And you can plant them and... Sure enough, one of them is just got to be the black sheep. All of the others will do perfectly, get exactly the same conditions. Now, you got to understand the soil under one plant is not exactly the same as the soil right next to it. But even so, you will get a plant that just has bad genes to it. And all of the others will be fine, and one without explanation will decide, nah, I'm, I'm just going to mess with you all the time. I'm not going to make it, sorry. It's frustrating, but it happens. Uh, folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Let's go to the phone. This is Ken. Ken, what can I help you with? Good morning, Jeff. Really enjoy your show. Thank um, you. I'd like to talk to you about peaches and plums. First of all, are plums uh, successful in Central Texas? Because I've struggled with those for years. Um, okay, I'm going to give you a really wishy-washy answer here. I have uh, a friend with a couple of methylene plums, and he gets bucket loads of them. Now, he's out by Cedar Creek, and that can make a huge difference because they may not have the pests that I get here. I get plum curculio real bad. Um, I don't do much to try to stop it either. I don't get a lot of plums. I have had very few years when I got some. But when I did, it was a ton. It was a bucket load of them. So, we have, yeah, I've been trying to raise them out here for 25 years, and we're kind of in that sandy, sandy loam on the edge of Blackland, and mm -hmm. I just can't, I can't get them to survive. I can't get them to produce. And I was just wondering if I shouldn't switch over to something like a Mexican plum or something that's a little more uh, prosperous in this type of, I don't know what you call it, <laughs> Yeah, this, this central uh, Texas weather. Okay, here's a pros and a cons about Mexican plums. Yes, they will produce a plum, and yes, it's edible. You can make wine out of it. You can make jam or jelly out of it. Um, but it 
all plums are susceptible to a thing called a plum tree borer. Well, a, a fruit tree borer. And that will, over time, defeat the plum. It will, it will kill them. But it takes them quite a while, and the healthier the plum, the longer it takes. Mexican plums also suffer this. You could try one. Are you looking to get the fruit, or you just want the blooming tree? Well, the first couple of years we moved out here, I can't recall what type I planted, but they grew a nice uh, golf ball-sized plum. It was edible, had a great taste to it, kind of a purplish plum. And those plum, the borers and the plum curculio got them. And then if it wasn't that, it was the the drought of 11 and 12. And then if it wasn't that, it was too much rain and one of those years (laughs) in between. And it just seems it's difficult to raise plums in central Texas. It is. It's not impossible. (laughs) You do got to have kind of a lucky streak to get all the conditions to come together at the same time. Right amount of rain, the summers are not too bad, but you can do plums here. Methley is probably the most common self-fertile plum. Methley, so, correct? Methley, correct. Okay. Uh, we'll give that a try. Now, I've got another question if you want to indulge me. Uh, sure. I raised peaches. I've had good years. I've had poor production years. I've lost plums. I mean, lost peaches, same conditions. Drought, soil moving, cracking, breaking the roots, disease. Disease is not that bad, but mostly I think it's just these drought years are very hard on the peach trees. But I always have heard the terminology and I understood it, but I'm not real clear on exactly what makes up chill. I mean, at what, what, at what temperature and for how long is it considered the uh, additive chill that peach trees need to produce or set fruit? Okay. When you purchase a fruit tree, they should have all the information of that particular kind of tree as to how many chill hours they need. It's usually a range you know, like four to six hundred, seven to nine hundred, something like that. Yes, sir. A chill hour is the amount of time where the temperature is between 45 degrees and 32 degrees. Above 45 doesn't count. Below 32 doesn't really add chill hours. So it's kind of this sweet spot. And a tree may need 500 hours between 45 and 32 degrees. Now, for example, today, um, where I live, our temperatures um, will not drop below 45 until Monday. And then we pop back up where we're not gonna get any chill hours at the end of the week. If you get too few chill hours, the tree may not bloom and produce flower buds, which produces the fruit. If you get too many chill hours, let's say you need 500, 
and you hit 500 and your tree goes, oh great, I can start flowering now. And then suddenly it flowers out and we get a late freeze. It'll freeze off all the blossoms and you won't get any fruit then either. So chill hours, you can figure out what they are when you buy the tree. The vendor who sold it to you will let you know that this type of tree needs X number of hours. The hard part is, is you can try really hard to get a tree with the right number for where you live, but we are not the same temperature every single year. I mean, remember the freeze apocalypse and the drought years when it was so hot? You, you have to kind of guess. You take your best bet, you get what is the average, and hope for the correct number of hours during the year. Well, I've experienced all of those conditions. I buy a range of peach trees, some that need in the four to 500, some that need 600s. And I've witnessed all of this over the last 25 years, but I never was really sure on what made up chill hours. And you've answered Mm -hmm. that, and I appreciate it. And uh, I hope that we don't have really cold weather because a couple of years ago, I mean, we had eight degree temperature and minus eight degree chill factor. It's hard uh-huh. on the lemon trees, but they survive. But uh, it's hard to tell what the weather's going to do now. I mean, it, it, this is no different than it was a hundred years ago, I assume, because I don't think we had t- thermometers 300 years ago, but it seems like when these weather people get wound up about cold weather, it's climate change, but then the next time summer rolls around, I mean, they ignore it, but when, when it gets hot, they want to start screaming climate change. But to me, it's central Texas weather. It's always been the same. Well, one of the things that is a pain <clears throat> is if you purchase a tree for the number of chill hours that you supposedly get for your area, You know, it takes a few years for a tree to produce. A peach can take four or five years before it puts on peaches. In that period of time, the latest USDA um, temperature charts, the zone charts, in the last 30 years has gone up five degrees, which has really affected the number of chill hours we get. So you have to kind of commit to the tree and then hope that when the tree's ready to produce, those temperatures are what you need them to be. I got a couple of peaches that I purchased them with what was supposed to be the chill hours, and I never, I got three peaches out of two peach trees over 10 10 years. They were absolutely fantastic peaches, but I only got three in 10 years. So I don't bother with them. Uh, Plums don't need the number of hours that peaches do, so that can help. And pears don't need the number of hours. Pears can be very successful here. But everybody wants peaches and it's getting harder and harder to get varieties where you get them in the ground and when they're mature, 
the hours they need are the hours that we're actually getting. Yeah, I've never considered your your comment about too many chill hours. I always thought, I never thought too many chill hours was a consideration. I thought getting enough chill hours was the consideration, but I could see where they get too many. They're just, I understand what you're saying now. I do appreciate that bit of information. Sure. Uh, Ken, thank you for the call. I'm, I'm up against a break, but uh, yes, sir. Have a great I got to tell you, yeah, I got to tell you, sometimes picking the right peach and plum, <laughs> cross your fingers. It's well, your luck one last, com- one last comment. I have had years that we've had to give them away that we had so many peaches, and I'm talking about hundreds. So I'm looking forward to maybe that, that again. <laughs> I, I wish you luck. I hope Thanks, you sir. get that situation. Uh, folks, this is our battle. This is our battle. Um, the, the weather just isn't perfect. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Um, Come down to the bottom of the hour. Got a break for the news. I'll catch you on the other side. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Now... Bad weather coming. Surprisingly, it's not freezing and it's not too much rain, but it's too much wind. We're really looking at a situation where we will have 40 mile an hour gusts, 40 mile an hour or greater. Now, that's... um, that's kind of tough on our plants, especially our trees. So prepare for this event. All that row cover that you may have out to keep plants warm, that stuff will flap like a sail. Make sure you got to peg down good so it can't go anywhere. That way you keep it going. Um, Let's go to the phone. This is Jerry. Jerry, what can I help you with? Hi, uh, I've got a lemon tree or bush, I call it, that I put into a pot about four years ago. And uh, the pot is big enough that I can't put my arms around it. But this plant has not grown an inch in four years. I get some fruit off of it, but not a lot. Do you fertilize it? Make it grow. Do you keep it fertilized? I'm sorry? Do you keep it fertilized? Uh, yes. What are you using? I can barely hear you. Sorry, what are you using as a fertilizer? Uh, I've tried the uh, things you buy in the big big box stores. I've tried these little uh, things that you shove down into the soil. Um, uh, no, bad choice. The, the, the fertilizer sticks 
not a good choice yeah. for the citrus. Okay. Um, they they won't feed it as long as you want them to. Uh, citrus likes nitrogen. So products like fish emulsion, which is only um, a, a five for the first number of nitrogen, cottonseed meal, alfalfa meal. You want a fertilizer that the, is, the emphasis is nitrogen. The first number is the biggest number. And the thing about it is that first number does not need to be bigger than about eight or 10. As a matter of fact, if it's the biggest of the three numbers, that's a fertilizer you can use. The thing about fertilizing is if you're using a good proper fertilizer, uh, citrus are greedy, they're greedy, they're greedy, they're greedy. You wanna fertilize them at least once a month with a good quality, moderate nitrogen fertilizer. Um, how resistant is that plant to the freeze? Should I put it in the ground? No, it should not go in the ground. Um, a lemon tree can survive to roughly 28 degrees. Oh, okay. Older than that, you're gonna start losing branches, you'll lose leaves, and you'll lose any fruit that's on it or fruit blossoms. 28 is a well-established tree. You're gonna go below that, uh, you really need to cover it or br bring it in so that it won't hit those temperatures. All right, I appreciate the information. Thank you very much. Yeah, good luck. They should produce well for you. Um, folks, if you're doing citrus, citrus works here. It really does. Citrus trees purchased from a nursery are on dwarf rootstock. That means in a container, if you're lucky, they may get to eight feet. More than likely, they'll only hit about six feet. The other good thing about it is, if you have them in a container, it's okay to trim them back. So if eight foot can't get in your garage, you can trim them back to six foot, get rid of bad branches, you know, uh, cut it back a little bit so that you can get it in your garage. There's some great tools out there. There are the um, platters with wheels that you can set the pot on and roll it around. And there's tools like uh, the pot lifter. It's a sling device where you and a friend can lift up a particularly heavy device and easily move it. But citrus, Limes have zero freeze tolerance. Limes will be like, nope, we quit if it hits freezing and they're exposed to it. So limes should not go in the ground. Lemons, like I said, maybe down to 28. In our part of the country, we'll get down to 15. Sometimes 
I mean, we got down, I got down to eight degrees during the freeze apocalypse for days on end. So you have to keep that in mind. Now, the coldest adapted citrus is a kumquat. They can be really, really productive. They can go down to 14 or 15 degrees. Again, most of these are on dwarf rootstock. So they're not going to be super big. But don't think that if you have it in a pot, it's not going to produce much. They will produce like crazy in a container. But uh, kumquats, real good cold hardiness. Satsumas, mandarins, things like that. They're pretty cold hardy too, say 20 degrees. There is a grapefruit called Bloom Sweet. It'll go down to 15 degrees. You can do citrus here. You can get a great crop of citrus here. It just can't freeze. So if it means sliding it into a garage, uh, bringing it in the house, you're going to have to do so. Can you put them in the ground? Of course you can. Can you guarantee they won't freeze? No, you can't. You gamble when you put your citrus in the ground. Use every trick in the book. Put it on the south side of a building. Put it against a wall that's stone or brick, because during the day, those bricks and stones will heat up, and they'll give that heat off at night. And that can help protect the trees. But keeping it in a container doesn't limit the citrus. It can still produce like crazy. The problem is citrus is a heavy feeder. Now, they don't care about potassium and phosphorus too much. The NPK formula, they only really care about that first number, which is the nitrogen. And please don't use artificial nitrogen. No uh, ammonium sulfate or things like that. You only need a moderate, constant supply of uh, nitrogen for them to behave. I got great results when I used fish emulsion. I got good results when I used cottonseed meal. Just the first number is the most important, and it doesn't need to be very high. But to have the best citrus, that's how you do it. They'll produce a lot. And it never hurts, never hurts to um, foliar feed them with seaweed. That helps make more blossoms viable. That means more blossoms that will turn to fruit. It helps it keep the fruit on the tree. And that increases your harvest. But citrus works well here. Citrus works very well as a container plant. Now, some of the things you have to understand is 
some of the citrus we'll be talking about an orange tree or a lemon tree they tend to do just fine as kind of a shrub lots of branches lots of places for flower buds folks this is gardening naturally uh i need to take a quick break we'll be right back this is gardening naturally on news radio klbj with host jeff ferris jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590 hey welcome back folks let's go to the phone this is john john what can i help you with Hey, happy new year. Yeah. Happy yeah, Sunday. Uh, um, hey, I was going to just ask you real quick. Uh, we, we've done a great job getting the veggie beds, you know, kind of put the bed, so to speak, and, you know, got some, uh, some of the compost emptied, and I've had the benefit of five future Farmer of America rabbits in the house for the last month to help us out there. But now I'm turning to, you know, what else to do, and I'm wondering if it's too late to, you know, pop some of the uh, wildflower seeds out there in the perimeter where I like to put them, and also maybe plant some bulbs, or if I miss the opportunity. Um, wildflower seeds, the thing about them is you can put them out at pretty much any time that you actually have them. They will sit until their triggers go off that say, okay, time to germinate. That could be temperature, that could be water, that could be a whole bunch of conditions that make them go, okay, now I need to start growing. I mean, if right. you see a wildflower field and you watch it during a season, you notice how we go from blue bonnets to gallardia to this, to this, to this. That's because that's when those plants come up. So if you have wildflower seeds, you could put them down now. Just don't expect that every type of seed is going to come up at the same time. Okay, good. Now, the bulbs, that's a different story. There are some bulbs like irises, uh, maybe lilies, things like that. You could put those in now, plant them correctly, maybe even snapdragon uh, gladiola, sorry, not snapdragon, gladiola bulbs. Um, I put in a whole bunch of schoolhouse lilies. The only thing they're doing right now is making green leaves. But in September, they'll be covered with red flowers. So you can get a lot of these bulbs to start. The issue will be patience. If you put them in now, are they one that will give you a flower here in early spring? or maybe in summer, or, or maybe in September. So you can get bulbs in now. Again, it's an expectation thing. It will depend okay. on the type of bulb and its conditions as to whether or not they'll bloom. What about daffodils? You can try, uh, you can try them if you can find them. Um, I right. used to have pretty decent luck with daffodils but I put them in a bed that has not been irrigated. So they didn't last many years, but when they came up, they were beautiful. I really yeah. loved them. But uh, wonderful. Yeah, you could, yeah, if you can find some, I would get them in the ground quickly and uh, you may get to see them this spring. All right. 
Good. Well, thank you so much. I mean, we have no expectations. It's just a matter of, like, is there a certain time to do these things? And uh, I guess we'll get on it. <laughs> uh, for your bulbs, um, most of the nurseries will get in the specialty bulbs, like certain kinds of viruses, certain kinds of daffodils, etc. sometime around September. Right. That doesn't mean you would be planting them in September, but that's when they would be made available. So keep that in mind when it gets later in the year. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate y'all. You bet. Thanks for the call. Uh, yeah, folks, wildflowers seed themselves. We put blue bonnets. We put blue bonnets out when we get the seed. Nature puts blue bonnets out when she's done with the flower, which means those seeds are dropping to the ground sometime in late June, early July. And the problem with that is when they're harvesting the seeds, they have to harvest them, they have to clean them, they have to package them, and they have to ship them. And that means we don't get them till like October. When the reality is nature already put them in the ground. Nature already brought them up and wanted them to go. And we are simply putting them in when we get them, as opposed to when they're actually being produced. Now, there are a lot of wildflower seeds that can sit quite literally for a year, maybe more, before they will come up. The important thing is, is that if you're planting wildflowers like that, you have to make sure you are not using corn gluten because it's possible that you have a wildflower seed that's not supposed to come up for quite a while and you use the corn gluten and you just killed the wildflower seed. And there's also situations where you have wildflower seeds and you toss out a big old bag of them. I have a septic field and I tossed out a big bag of wildflower seeds over the septic field. About a third of the seed would not, would not germinate. And I think it's because the conditions for the seeds were wrong. It was either too rich of soil or too wet of soil. And I found that I could get certain flowers to bloom on the outer perimeter of the septic field, but they would never grow within the field themselves. And I had other flowers that just super thrived in the middle of the field, but wouldn't go past the edges. So there's a lot of things involved when we're talking about wildflowers. They have, each wildflower has different and special requirements. We're lucky that a lot of wildflowers are similar. They may have temperature differences. For example, when we go from blue bonnet to gallardia to um, the 
drugs to the horsemen. Each one of those have very, very similar conditions they need to grow in. So temperature is the timer. One flower will follow another. And that is one of the reasons that Texas has such beautiful wildflowers. We just need to appreciate that unfortunately they don't all come up at once. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Um, first weekend of the new year. Uh, I hope you have a great weekend. Be prepared for the weather, gonna be super windy. I will talk to you all again next Saturday at nine o'clock. Um, I'll see you then.